Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. This episode of Doing Time contains audio images and discussion of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who have died. Overall, this special Doing Time program is a dedication and tribute to the much-loved Honourable Uncle Ray Jackson, born 27th March 1941 and who died on April 23, 2015. He was a Wiradjuri warrior who dedicated his life to fighting for justice and human rights for Aboriginal people and much more. We will hear from his loved ones throughout the show. First up, though, the Doing Time show brings you an interview with Julie Tongs, who will talk about culturally safe practices in prison for Aboriginal people. Julie Tongs is a Wiradjuri woman and is currently the CEO of Winunga Numaja Aboriginal Health and Community Services. I will check the pronunciation of those terms with her. Next, we'll bring you a tribute to Uncle Ray Jackson. First, we will interview Carolyn Jackson, daughter of Uncle Ray. She has been a much-loved part of the show since 2015 when her father passed away. Ray is missed by Carolyn and her beautiful family. Then, we will hear from Joseph Bugliese, Uncle Ray's friend and long-time activist. But now, we will be going to Julie Tongs. Just a quick intro. Julie will speak about prison health care. I invited her onto the show for a follow-up discussion after the Doing Time show aired the Zoom meeting that was organised by Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service and it was a prison health care webinar on Wednesday 29th March 2023 about the health and safety of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Victorian prisons. Winunga provides a culturally safe environment for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the ACT and surrounding regions to access health and community services and delivers health care to various regional communities. For over 30 years, Julie has advocated fiercely for the expansion of holistic community-controlled Aboriginal primary health services and organisations. And we will go now to a quick announcement and then we will welcome Julie. Kafirs are Palestinian scarves and they're a symbol of support for justice for the Palestinian people. Buying one will support the last remaining factory in Hebron that makes kafirs and all proceeds from the sales support projects in Palestine, especially Gaza, as well as local solidarity organisations. 
from the traditional black and white kefir to an array of modern designs. All scarves are $35 each. Explore the range and order online or drop by 3CR during business hours. Wear your support for the rights of Palestinians. Go to kefirs.org.au. That's K-U-F-I-Y-A-S.org.au. A 3CR supporter. And in case you've just tuned in, this is the Doin' Time Show, 3CR Community Radio, hosted by Marissa. And we're going to be speaking with Julie Tongs now. Hello, Julie. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Marissa. It's so good. Do you like being called auntie or not? Yes, that's fine. I felt like I, I really want to. So, auntie <laughs> Julie, can you tell us what land you're from? I'm a Radri woman. I, I was born in Leeton, New South Wales, and grew up in a small country town called Witten. And I'm living on the beautiful land of the Ngunnawal Nambri Wiradjuri people here in Canberra. Fantastic. Annie Julie, it's really good to have you. And I wanted to really invite you onto the show as a follow-up with the excellent Zoom meeting that happened, you know, the webinar with the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. And I know that there's been a really, really sad and tragic death of Veronica Nelson and the Doing Time show has covered a lot of material about what happened with her. It's just dreadful, isn't it? It's unnecessary. It shouldn't be happening, you know, regardless. This is 2023, and we've still got mobs dying in prison that from preventable diseases or being knocked around by the, the police or, you know, it's just not right. It, it shouldn't be happening at all. 3CR Annie Julie, I think we've got some gremlins on the line. I, I think we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not even... I, I, I used to live in a regional area and I was doing the show remotely from there last year, and, but I'm in Melbourne at the moment, so I don't know what, what happened there. But we were talking about Veronica Nelson and you were telling me... We were talking about her very tragic death. Can you comment on that? Absolutely, you know, that should never have happened and, you know, if she'd had the right medical, she'll be with us today, like many other Aboriginal people right across the country that have died from preventable diseases. Auntie? Yes. You're still... <laughs> I'm oh, still goodness. here. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a stayer. <laughs> We're not getting rid of you that easy, are we? We're going to have one more go, but um, I'm hoping I can have you back in the next couple of weeks anyway. Absolutely, right? you can. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. fine. Yeah. So we were talking about Veronica Nelson. I'm wondering if you could just talk about just some of the wonderful work that the organisation has done and some of the work that you've done in regards to um, healthcare in prison. I believe I've it's going always... public now, not private. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've always been a believer in regardless of whether you're on the inside or the outside, you're entitled to proper health care. And we know that that doesn't happen in prisons. And I've been a huge advocate over the years, even um, before um, Canberra got our own so-called prison, that there was a remand centre. And um, we were... Um, had a, I had a doctor and staff going into the remand centre providing services to the men in there back in 1998. And then... We went to Goulburn for 10 years. Wanunga had a doctor and an Aboriginal um, male worker 
go to Goulburn Jail for 10 years. And then the the men that was in um, Goulburn, uh, when they reopened Cooma Jail, some of them got moved to Goulburn and they wrote to New South Wales um, Corrections Health and asked if Wanunga could provide a service to them. So we went to Cooma Jail um, on a Friday every month. So, But that's when we had a lot less um, men in prison back then. But, you know, since we've got our own prison, a quarter of the prison population here in the ACT are Aboriginal. And back in 2015... We had a young man by the name of Stephen Freeman. He was severely assaulted within two hours of being taken from the the watch house to the prison, and he was in intensive care for for six days. And um, then they took him back to the prison, and then 12 months later, he died from a um, a methadone overdose. So. There was a couple of uh, reports, and particularly um, there was an inquiry into his assault um, in the prison, and that didn't happen until after he'd um, died in the prison. And one of the recommendations was for Wanunga to be integrated into the Justice Health Year uh, Services in the AMC. That's the name of Alexander McConaughey Centre. So after the coronial inquest, and I left that. I actually um, said to my senior doctor on the way out, our executive director of clinical services, there's no way that we're going to be integrated. We're going to stand alone because I'm not prepared to share the risk. So then I lobbied the minister at the time, um, the corrections minister, and was able to get him to agree for Wanunga to stand alone. So we're autonomous in the AMC. We're not part of Justice Health and we're not part of corrections, although we're running a service out of a corrections facility. But I must say it definitely has its challenges and um, because, as we know, corrections are very punitive in the way that they treat our men and women in prisons and um, we come from a place of compassion and no judgment. So... It's challenging. We went in there in 2019. I have nurses in there and an Aboriginal support person. Um, The nurses are in there from 6.30 in the morning until 8.30 at night. And then um, if somebody gets sick overnight, then they call a Wanunga doctor that's on call. So, And we have an Aboriginal support worker, cultural support worker that works with the nurses and also the men and women who are incarcerated in AMC. It sounds like there's just so much that, that's happening um, in the organisation and providing a service to, to people in prison. Um, I'm wondering, we've got our May Day special. I'm going to be doing a show next Monday on, on slave labour and stolen wages of Aboriginal people. But after that, I was wondering if I could... I'll, I'll ring Beth up and we can ha- have another chat in a couple of weeks. Is that OK? That'd be great. I'd love that. That would be fabulous because I think we can't forget about our brothers and sisters that are incarcerated. You know, the majority of them, you know, with drug addiction, mental health, poverty, all of those things that um, are the the drivers for our mob to be incarcerated. It's it's crazy. It's um, and then Aboriginal people are dying in custody as well, it, not just in prisons, but also in the hospitals. 
Absolutely, you know, and the whole system, you know, and we know that racism is alive and well in this country. And yes, it um, is. for our mob, you know, it never gets any easier. We're always judged, we're looked down on, it's like we're not trusted, you know, so it doesn't matter whether you live in Canberra or where you live, you can live in a remote community. We're all, you know, that judgment's already made. Indeed. Ali Julie, we're going to be speaking pretty soon with Carolyn Jackson, who's the daughter of Uncle Ray Jackson, um, doing a memorial show for him at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I'll call you, I'll call Beth and we'll, we'll arrange another interview. Are there any final comments you want to make? I just want to say, you know, like a, just have a big shout out to the the men and women who are incarcerated and, you know, like hopefully, um, you know, governments and other Aboriginal community-controlled health services will do what Wanunga's doing and, you know, there needs to be a big push to have Aboriginal community-controlled health services run, providing services in every prison in this country. Yeah, because you've actually there's actually a service delivered in prison, isn't there? Yeah, we do it in, in the camera. jail. Yeah. yeah. You go we to the jail. It. We're out there 6.30 in the morning until 8.30 at night with the nurses. I have a, the Aboriginal support worker with the nurses um, from 9 to 5, five days a week. We have a forensic psychologist that goes out. I have my um, social and emotional wellbeing team that go out there. They're all Aboriginal staff. You know, they do justice reinvestment, um, road to recovery. It's like a drug and alcohol program. We do lots of other things. and um, But the thing is getting access to our clients out there too. You know, you can only, you know, you're only as good as what the officer on the day allows you to be. I was about to say, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much, Auntie Julie, for coming onto the program. We'll be in touch very soon for an, an, an extended interview with you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Marissa. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. From Iran to the Americas, the Pacific to Palestine, and here in so-called Australia, people are standing up for freedom and liberation. This May Day at Melbourne State Library, join the voice of Revolution Iran Melbourne, the Black People's Union, renegade activists, unionists and people from all over the world as we stand together in understanding that we are all in this together. A lineup of speakers and music from around the world demanding justice and celebrating our common struggles and our common humanity will be announced on the event page soon. You can find the event by searching May Day for Freedom and Liberation on Facebook. May Day for Freedom and Liberation, 5.30pm, Monday 1st of May at State Library, Victoria. A 3CR community radio supporter. And this is the Doing Time Show 3CR. And in a sec, I'm going to be welcoming Carolyn Jackson to the program. You just heard an interview with Julie Tongs um, from... Canberra, and she's a Wiradjuri woman and has been doing work with healthcare in prison. And this is a tribute to Uncle Ray Jackson, and we're going to be speaking now with Carolyn. Uncle Ray was a vocal and knowledgeable deaths in custody campaigner and long-time president of the Indigenous Social Justice 
Association and he also received the French Human Rights Medal in Australia, never even bothered to give him one, um, despite all the work he's done. Hi, Carolyn, welcome to the program. No, thanks for having me. How are you? Thank you so much for taking the time, Carolyn. It's a very, very sad time of year, isn't it? I always, when these days come around, I really start to miss him again. Yeah, definitely. Um, we we miss him a lot. Yesterday was eight years that he has passed. Yes, so we can't lose eight years. It just feels like not that long ago that he had left us. But um, but yeah, his memories. You know, like we got fond memories of him, and we're very proud of the man he was. And um, yeah, so we just hope that you know that he's been remembered. You know, by those who remember him for what he is. And, um, yeah, so I try not to get a bit emotional, but, um, yeah, but we all miss him dearly. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, Sorry, yeah, Carolyn, um, the reception you know, is really off. Grandchildren yeah. since then and more grandchildren and just wish he was here. Yeah, so can you hear me now? Oh, That's better. Yep. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so he's, he's greatly missed. Yeah, so we, we miss him a lot. Yeah, and his work, you know. So, we're, but we're very proud of him. Oh, I mean... Last year, I actually did a two-part series on the show and we talked a lot about, you know, his work in the unions and asylum seekers and Aboriginal people as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I don't know if he was out there aware that they finished um, the event. You there, Carolyn? Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Major... Um, you know that was fantastic. That that was completed by, um, of course, um, some good help. And yeah, um, yeah so he's achieved a lot. In really, thing he's you know achieved uh, a lot as well. Yeah. So we just hope that you know he relived people's minds and their thoughts, and also the fight for justice that he yeah. did for families out there. So, yeah, so I still get, you know, I still keep in contact with TJ's mum. So, you know, we, oh, TJ Hickey. You know yep. we message each other now and then, you know, through social, yes, through social media. So, um, Good. Yes, so there's a lot of people there that still, that remember him and, and his work and, and, and to try and carry on his work, but there was only one Ray Jackson, right? So, but he's a lot. Absolutely, he's a lot of families out there that he did, yeah, that he did fight for, uh, for justice for, yeah. So that's fantastic, um, Caroline, that you were able to come on and, um, and I know that that Ray worked quite, you know, extensively with Gail, didn't he? Oh yes, he did definitely. He went to the coronal, coron, uh, he went to um, the yeah. Uh, and for TJ, which was CJ, yes, every month, 14th of February, every, every year, um, um, Feb. So, and that's still to this day, to try and again, I've been held accountable for that. So, anyway, but um, yeah, we, we keep in contact with some of the some of the people that um, would say yeah. families. Yeah, beautiful, Carolyn. Thank yeah. you so much for for coming onto the show. The reception wasn't that great, but I'm. It's not your fault. 
Okay, hopefully, you know, next year, hopefully I'll get a better reception. Look, at least we did a memorial show. That's the main thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for thinking of that. And, um, yeah, so and hopefully we can catch up and we'll chat again soon. I hope so, Carolyn. No worries. Okay. Thank you, Marissa. Thank you. You take care. I'm so glad you were able to make it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 3CR is about community, and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. you're back with the Doin Time show and we're continuing with the special memorial broadcast for Uncle Ray Jackson and next up on the show we are going to be speaking with Joseph Bugliese who's a long time friend of Uncle Ray's and um, has also um, done a lot of work on Deathscape's website and is one of the contributors of a book mapping Deathscape's digital geographies of racial and border violence. I believe he also edited that book. I'll check with him in a sec. Hello, Joseph. Welcome to the program. Hi, Marissa. Good, good to be on your program. It's lovely to have you. were the editor of that book, weren't you? I was with Sivendrina Pereira. Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much. Now, Joseph is going to give a comprehensive introduction and historical context to Ray's life and work. And let's begin with his trauma as, as a child of the Stolen Generations. And how did that drive his burning desire to achieve social justice? Yeah. Look, as you know, Uncle Ray Jackson was an extraordinarily strong man uh, because he actually had to face the most traumatic of situations when he was dealing with the survivors and the families of uh, Indigenous deaths in custody. Um, And he actually had to also, and I can talk about this later, turn up to some of the autopsies to ensure that uh, Indigenous protocols were observed. So you can imagine how difficult that would have been to be in that sort of situation. And uh, Uncle Ray didn't have medical training, so it's not as though he was habituated to to, to watching someone being carved up for for those uh, medical legal purposes. I, I mark that precisely because he could deal with all of that. He had that inner strength. But I'm not sure, because I know you had Caroline on just a few minutes ago, if she mentioned it. But the only time that I ever saw Uncle Ray crack was on the few occasions that he mentioned that he was of the Stolen Generation. And Caroline that he hasn't had mentioned never, that, no. No, she didn't, yeah. And that he um, had never got a chance to be reunited with his um, Indigenous mother. And... When he would bring that up, his tears would just come down and it was a side of absolute trauma for him. Um, And I think what's extraordinary about what Uncle Ray did with that trauma, he took that trauma and decided to turn it into an energy to try and achieve social justice for all those who have experienced various forms of state violence. 
and it encompassed, as we know, not just or not only Indigenous people, people dying in, 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 in custody, but he had an expansive heart and he took under his umbrella, if you like, people who'd been marginalised by the state, maligned by the state, so refugees, asylum seekers, trans people, um, people who basically were victims of violence and injustice. So um, he, that's the extraordinary power of Uncle Ray, that he fought battles across multiple fronts to try and secure social justice. Absolutely. And, and Joseph, thank you so much for talking about that background. And you, you were talking before about the, the complex legal cases and how he had a really good grasp of that. Interestingly, would you agree then that, you know, Ray had an incredible way of legislating family attendance for autopsies of Indigenous deaths in custody to ensure ceremony and respect? Absolutely. Um, look, what was amazing about Uncle Ray was that he actually achieved, if you like, uh, a legal breakthrough in the state, which then ramified across the nation. And what I'm talking about here is, prior to Uncle Ray's intervention, um, Indigenous people were not allowed, family members were not allowed, to attend these medical legal autopsies that were required by the coronial process. And so there was this sense that they didn't know whether or not their loved ones, their dead loved ones, were being disrespected in the process. And so Uncle Ray actually worked with um, a non-Indigenous um, medical legal scholar. His name is Carl Hughes. He's still alive and I'm still in contact with him. And he basically said to uh, Carl Hughes, look, I know that you are in these forensic circles, can we change the legislation so as to get Indigenous representatives within these um, autopsy situations so that their loved ones know that all due respect has been paid to their dead ones? And Carl said, look, I don't think we can pull this off because the legislation is sort of set in concrete. But what Uncle Ray did is he, he wrote um, a draft legislation, if you like, a policy and began to send it out to all the uh, appropriate authorities. And initially they pushed back, but because of his sheer determination, uh, working with Carl Hughes, who knew the language, the legal language, and who also had the contact, they managed finally to break uh, through and to get that legislation so that um, Indigenous people and their families could attend or could send delegates, like Uncle Ray, often the family, found it too harrowing to attend the autopsy process required by the coronial inquest, and they would send Uncle Ray to make sure that their loved ones were treated with the utmost respect. So that's an extraordinary achievement. It's a landmark achievement in terms of social justice um, in this country, and that's all due to Uncle Ray working with Carl Hughes. Actually, I think I've had a couple of conversations with Carl Hughes. He's quite incredible. He is. He, he was very tight with Uncle Ray, and often Uncle Ray would send him out on missions, um, so to speak, um, across the states, different states when their uh, families would con Indigenous families would contact him, say from WA or the Northern Territory, and they knew. I mean, this was Uncle Ray's stature and fame. He's, he was known nationally within Indigenous communities because of his. Um, 
social justice work and the reliability that he would be there for them, but often because he was attending multiple uh, coronial inquests at the same time, you know, he couldn't cover all the bases. He would send uh, Carl, and Carl would be delegated to deal with um, what was happening in those sorts of situations, in remote communities in particular. And uh, often he experienced a lot of harassment from the police from the moment he would land on the airstrip in these remote communities because they saw him as someone who was basically out there to spy and to try and dig up the dirt because often there was a lot of police violence dirt that had caused that Indigenous death. And so um, Ray was an incredibly... Uh, Carl was an incredibly brave person too and he, he was canny. He knew how to get through and... Uh, if you like, get through the, the, the police dragnet that was often um, set up so as to sort of thwart his um, contact with the family. And, I mean, if you speak to him, he'll tell you stories where often he would arrive pretending to be an American tourist dressed with, a, you know, Hawaiian T-shirt and shorts and a camera so that he didn't look like a forensic pathologist. Wow. I mean, that's just so awesome. Like, we need more people like this. We need people working in solidarity across all those fronts so that we can begin to create really positive social change. Uh, and I think that's what was extraordinary about Uncle Ray, that if I can put it this way, it might sound like a, an old-fashioned term, but it was one that was close to his heart. He saw himself as an internationalist. Yes. He came from a solid socialist background. He broke his teeth, if you like, uh, in the trade union movement, uh, working on the waterfront, working in uh, the trade union sector. And really, that's where he learned a lot of the techniques and skills that he later transposed to his um, uh, Indigenous deaths in custody battles. Um, but he thought because he was coming from that solid socialist background, he had a sense that we can't just work in isolation that we have to see the larger global picture. And as you know, he worked and was interested in uh, what was happening in the US, in the settler colony of the US, settler colony of um, Canada, the settler colony of uh, Israel uh, in Palestine. Uh, and he had his finger on the pulse in terms of other nations, other Indigenous people who were also fighting similar battles. Yeah, look, it's, it's really great that he was able to connect all that up. And in fact, I was actually reading a couple of Uncle Ray's old emails from a really old computer that I've got. And he had this, there was a phone number at the end. You know how this, the, his phone number of the flat that he used yes, to live in? Yes, yes. I picked up the phone to dial it. I felt like such an idiot. Oh, I, do, I actually dialed his number. Oh, right. I don't know what... It, it, I just got this... I don't know what happened to me, but and then I thought, hung up, and I thought, what have I done? I went to dial his number. Yeah. I guess there's the sense of disbelief that he's gone because he was a yeah. larger-than-life figure. And it's Go interesting on. you talk about his flat because the, the, the magnitude of the man, you would think that he had a fully furbished office with computers and admin assistants, considering the scale of the work that he was doing, the multiple um, testing custody that he was pursuing, all he had was a one-bedroom flat 
in those Waterloo towers. You couldn't move in there basically because of all the files that he kept. He had one computer, and basically he worked around the clock across all of those different cases with some friends and support. But basically he did all of the work. And what was extraordinary about Uncle Ray is that he could retain all of that information and bring it out in a legal context, um, explain to the family in you know, simple English the complex legal language that he was uh, having to process in order to try and advance their case. Um, so it was quite extraordinary to, to see him in his little flat because you would have thought, you know, he had some great office with all of these assistants considering the volume of work that he did. I know. Uh, look, I actually think I've got an old interview of his, you know, it's on one of my devices. I'm going to see if I can reproduce it and put it on air sometime. That would be wonderful. It would be so good to hear his voice because we miss him so much. Oh, you're making you're making it come alive, Joseph. It's um, well, look, there yeah. was a warmth to our Uncle Ray. He was solid. He was a man of few words, but the words he gave you were gold, basically, because they were from the heart. Yeah, they were indeed. And he he was actually a regular part of our show. I mean, there was a time when he used to actually come onto the show once a week by, via phone. Yeah, how wonderful person knows that. It was, um, and in fact, today was kind of a bit symbolic, Joseph. Prior to our interview together, um, I had a, an interview about the death in custody of Veronica Nelson. It was our first interview. And we had technical difficulties and the phones weren't working. And then I thought, well, you know, this is symbolic because, you know, Uncle, Uncle Ray was working tirelessly and there were all yeah. these barriers and there were barriers today. That's that's interesting, and the, the amazing thing about Uncle Ray is that he, he had so many barriers thrown at him, and in particular, I mean, we have to mark this, there was police harassment and police trying to thwart his investigations because often it was the police who had been complicit in the killing of, of, of Indigenous people in custody. Um, you know, no surprises there. Um, but he would stand his ground and they also knew they couldn't quite touch him, even though they tried to block and undermine him because of the enormous integrity and respect that he carried. Indeed. And TJ Hickey is a primary example of how the police tried to say that his death was an accident. Exactly. And, and, and that is such a familiar refrain. It's either an accident or they cannot recall. Uh, you know, mm. the incident uh, at the time. And, you know, I mean, I've, as you know, I've sat through uh, quite a few Indigenous deaths in custody, coronial inquests, and I just feel such a sense of rage when I hear that, where either it's slated to be an accident, when we well know that there are so many determined factors that lead to the killing of Indigenous people in custody, and it's a combination of racism, and uh, colonialism and white supremacy, effectively. Um, and uh, the, the, the other thing that incenses me is when uh, the, 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 um, uh, you know, the, the, um, 
sorry, the litigants are, are trying to uh, ascertain exactly what's going on, and they'll repeatedly say, I cannot recall, I cannot recall. And you can just see the bald-faced lies. I mean, Uncle Ray used to talk about that and how he had to control his own emotions in those courtroom settings when he was uh, bearing witness for families during the coronial inquest because he could see the lies and, and the duplicities that were being performed in those legal settings. Yeah, look, it's... Um, we could go on all night, Joseph. It's incredible. We could. Yeah, look, he's, he, he is an extraordinary figure, and I'm actually so happy that you mark his anniversary every April time because he has left such a gap in our lives there's such a sense of absence. But I also have to say that he's a figure that we draw strength from because of his own extraordinary drive to achieve social justice across so many fronts. I look to him um, as, as someone who inspires me to this day. I still do it now. Absolutely. Uh, and I know many other people who do exactly the same. They draw on him as a source of strength because of the exemplary way in which he led social justice uh, battles. So, just finally, so um, he won a couple of awards, Uncle Ray, did, didn't he? He did. He did. Um, but, you know, what, what's pretty appalling, and we have to put this on the record, is that, in, you know, I talked about him running his... Uh, social justice campaigns from that one-bedroom flat up in Waterloo Towers. Uh, there were no state resources ever given him to enable him to do that work. Put that to the side. Be because of his extraordinary achievements, and you know he was instrumental in um, with, with many other Indigenous figures, but he was at the forefront um, in getting the... Um, Royal Commission into Indigenous Deaths in Custody Up. I mean, if you, you counted nothing else, that's a milestone achievement, let alone then founding with John Clark, the Indigenous Social Justice Association, which was such a transformative association statewide and, and nationally. If nothing else, you would have thought that there would have been state recognition of that, if not national recognition of that achievement. No one in Australia in terms of uh, authorities or people in power ever acknowledged that, let alone gave him some award to recognise his achievements. But fortunately, um, I was in a position to be able to recommend that he be nominated for the French Human Rights Medal, which is an incredibly prestigious medal that's been awarded to people like Nelson Mandela. And we wrote a case, and, I, you know, I think I've said this to you. When I nominated him and the French consulate contacted him saying that this um, nomination was going through, he rang me and he was utter disbelief and he says, is this a joke? And I said, no, it's real. <laughs> but the upshot is that the French government gave him this prestigious international award and they got about 20,000 euros to use their social justice uh, campaigns in the in ISJO, the Indigenous Social Justice Association. And he also got um, um, the Human Rights Medal. Um, and Don Clark, he sent 
long archive to Paris at the uh, Elysee Palace, the presidential palace, where uh, uh, Don Clark picked up the medal uh, on behalf of himself and, and um, Uncle Ray. But this is the, the, the measure of the man. When he found out that he got this award, um, you know, he, he wrote me to say so, and he said, this award means so much to me because I've got one more hammer to break down those doors. Absolutely, absolutely. And, in fact, isn't Deathscapes also, um, like, Uncle Ray, do you have some input into Deathscapes, the website? Can oh, you comment absolutely. on that? Yeah, no. Look, not only was Deathscapes inspired by Uncle Ray's extraordinary social justice work into Indigenous deaths in custody and asylum seeker deaths in custody, uh, because he was over that too. As you know, he would often take Aboriginal passports into the detention centre, smuggle them in, because um, they weren't allowed to be uh, passed through, but he would um, smuggle them in and offer welcome to country uh, on behalf of um, his Indigenous nation uh, to, to people who were in prison there. Um, and, and so, you know, that's how we really connected, because I, I, I worked with him on the, uh, the Aboriginal passports and uh, Sivandrini and I, and Pereira was also um, part, of, part of the Istra uh, cooperative. And uh, we, we, we basically were inspired to put the Deathscape site together because of that work. And Uncle Ray was really excited because he could see that we were going to do a transnational project where we were m- uh, mapping uh, deaths in custody, both in uh, three separate states, Australia, uh, the US and Canada. And so he was he was right on board. Unfortunately, and this is heartbreaking, he died before uh, the site came to fruition. But his spirit imbues the whole project. It did indeed. Can you just tell listeners the name of that website and how they can find it? Yeah, uh, it's deathscapes.org, and uh, it's now available. It's been archived by the National Library of Australia. Um, so just go to the National Library of Australia electronic um, catalogue, enter Deathscape, and it will bring up the site. Now, that that website is also a standalone website as well? No longer, no. We actually ran out really? of funding. Yeah, really? we've run out of funding. We couldn't afford to keep it running. But fortunately, um, the National Library of Australia... Uh, recognised it as, a, as what they called a, a site of national significance, which is you know really wonderful to hear. And so it's all, uh, it's available with all of the case studies that we've got there: the Miss Do case study, the Mr Ward case study, etc. It's all available in the archive, the electronic archive of the National Library of Australia. I actually use that website sometimes as a reference to do research. For my radio show, and I'm I'm going to have to check to see if that is accessible for blind and vision impaired people. I'll have to speak to you off air about that. Sure, and if it's not, be sure to contact the um, NLI, the National Library of Australia, because that would be a really important intervention to make. Absolutely, it's approximately 4:52, and you're listening to an interview with Joseph Boliese, who is speaking about Uncle Ray Jackson and paying tribute on this very special. Memorial Program. Joseph, thank you so much for coming onto the program. Do you have any final comments you want to make? Just that 
we continue the work. I mean, if Uncle Rai wanted anything, it's for that work that he started off to continue across multiple fronts so that we actually achieve social justice change exactly where it's needed. And we, we all know just how pressing and urgent that is um, across all those sites that, that we've mentioned, all those settler-colonial sites nationally and transnationally. So I think when we memorialise Uncle Ray, I think the best tribute that we can make is to actually keep alive his work, trying to fulfil in our own humble way the mission that he set out to achieve social justice across all of those different fronts. Absolutely. And, yeah, once again, we have done another memorial program for Uncle Ray and we're going to be paying tribute to him as long as I'm alive. <laughs> That's wonderful to hear, and I'm sure, sure he's smiling wherever he is when he hears that. I'm sure he is. Joseph, you take care of yourself, and um, we'll, we'll speak soon. Lovely. Thank you for having me on air, Marissa, and all power to Uncle Ray, I say. I agree, absolutely. Thanks a lot. All the best. Bye, then. Bye-bye. 3CR Community Radio, giving the voice to the community since 1976. needs members to survive. By becoming a subscriber, you're helping us to remain fiercely independent and free of commercials and corporate influence. Are you a paid-up subscriber? It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation and $300 solidarity. Great value for 24-7 community-owned and community-controlled media. Please become a subscriber member today. Call the station on 03-9419-8377 or sign up online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. And we're nearing the end of another show and thank you to all our guests today. Thank you to Arnie Julie and to Carolyn Jackson and also to Joseph Bugliese. It's approximately 4.55 and stay tuned every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Do and Time show and next Monday is the 1st of May which is May Day and tune in to 3CR and listen to all the wonderful May Day commentaries and broadcasts that are coming up and the Do and Time show will be airing um, at 4, 4 to 5 looking at, well it's, it's actually going to be a May Day special next Monday rather than the Do and Time show, and looking at stolen wages and slave labour. So tune in, and it's goodbye from Marissa. We're going to be going out with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella by the Rumpy Band, and it's goodbye. Okay, thanks. Bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.
Are you the one who's always ready with the help? 